0: Welcome to another episode of the 20 Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. And while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter 25? Well, God is beginning to establish life, daily life, uh, for the people of Israel. We've been talking about laws that he has established, and now he is going to establish their systems of worship and offering. Chapter 25, verse 1 says, Then Yahweh said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive offering from me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram skin dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lights. Now, we don't think of olive oil. We we think of that for cooking, but uh, oil lit lamps and candles is what it's uh, talking about. Spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. Onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So the tabernacle that we are going to be looking at is, uh, was a tent, and and it's not hard. You can go on Google Image, real easy, and um. And just search tabernacle in like Google Image search, and you'll find pictures of what it looked like. But essentially, it was a a tent, and then there was a courtyard created by, um, these sort of, uh, draped walls that would be put up. So so what it would be like is uh you know we go camping we're tent campers and you will see people who put up their tent camp but then they also put up these sort of um canvas or fabric uh privacy barriers and and so it's it's along those lines but what would happen is uh, it's very similar to if you've ever seen a picture of what the uh the ancient Hebrew temple would have looked like um that this uh, courtyard created, there would have been there the the altar where they would have done the sacrifices, the yearly sacrifice for atonement, uh, different sacrifices and offerings that we've already read are to be presented to the Lord at various times during the year. And we studied that in previous episodes. The word tabernacle just means tent of meeting. This is the place where you are to come and meet with me, your God. Does that mean that God lived in the temple? In the tabernacle? No, not not one bit. But it was the point of contact. It It was the place where they could come and connect together as a community. God doesn't live inside the church building. But the church building is a place where believers can come and connect in community with God. There's something unique that happens there. Now, God says, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. And what this offering is for is to establish the tabernacle. These ramskins, these linens are the materials that were necessary for construction. Essentially, this is a capital project. All of these things would have been necessary to start up the prescribed worship of God at the tabernacle from literally constructing the tabernacle itself Uh, to essentially powering it, and they didn't have power back then, but the oil for the lamps, um, the things that were necessary uh, to, to begin the worship process. This offering was not to be compulsory. This was something that he said, whose hearts prompt them to give. We talk about giving at Faith on Hill for two reasons. The first is if there is an opportunity to be generous. Uh, If we hear about a thing and we say, hey, there's this family that we have heard about, uh, we're we're not going to tell you specifics because we don't want to embarrass them or put them on the spot, but we have a family in need. If anyone feels led to give above and beyond their regular generous giving, this is an opportunity. Or, hey, we're going to Mexico to work with some orphanages, and if you feel led to give um, above what you normally do, this is an opportunity. So we talk about giving when there's an opportunity to be generous. Or... We talk about giving when it comes up in the part of the Bible we're studying. I'm not afraid to talk about money. Um, I know some churches and some pastors get very uncomfortable talking about money. I don't. I don't know if that's because um, I had a a business management background where I had to deal with money on a daily basis. I I don't know why it is that I'm not uncomfortable with it, but I'm not. Uh, I also feel very comfortable in my own soul and spirit before God that we don't Twist people's arms. So so what God is telling Moses to do is let the people know there's an opportunity to be generous as they feel led. No one should give because they feel guilted into giving. I do believe that every person should be generous with the the resources that God gives them. Did God give you an abundance of talent? Did God give you an abundance of of, um, skill? Did God give you an abundance of land? Did God give you an abundance of resources? You know, uh, you get a massive uh, tax return. Something goes right for you, and all of a sudden, you've got thousands of dollars. What do you do with that? I'm not saying it's wrong to use to spend that on yourself. It's not wrong to say, "Hey, I'm going to put some in savings, and I'm going to go out and, um, you know, we've needed to to fix this thing or our our." Washing machines falling apart, so we're going to replace our washing machine. Nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, that seems wise. But I think it's something to check. Like, what's my first thought and how I spend things? God, is there something you want me to do? Uh, that's that's the thing is I everybody stands before God. One of the things in terms of conflict theory in our society is, is that is that people in politics are looking for wedge issues. How can we divide people? How can we put people against each other? And and so you might look at the 1% and say, well, what are they doing with their money? They're going to have to stand before God. They're going to have to be responsible and accountable to God. What did I do with the resources that you gave me? The question isn't what the 1% does with their resources. The question is, what do I do with the resources that God has given me? And so... There's an opportunity to be generous, and uh, and they present it for this purpose. It's a, it's a, a public offering. It's, it's no compulsion. So I don't think anybody should be giving out of compulsion. I also think everyone should be generous. Uh, I do see the tithe, the first 10% is biblical, but I don't argue if somebody doesn't. Uh, I just think it's a good number. It's enough money that it's a, it's a substantial amount, and it's not asking anybody to break the bank. Um, we take the first 10% of the resources that God gives us, uh, this me and my wife, and we give it to the church. because, And that surprises people because they think, well, you're the pastor. But no, we give to the church because this is the, the family of faith that God has put us in, and then we look for opportunities to be generous above and beyond that. Verse 10, have them make an ark of uh, acacia wood two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half high. So what that is, is about three and a, three and three fourths feet long, two and a quarter feet wide and uh, about the same high. Uh, and, and honestly, like if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you have a pretty good idea of what the Ark of the Covenant looks like. Uh, overlay it with pure gold. So it was made of wood, but then they put gold overlay on top of it, or gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of the ark and they are not to be removed. Then put the ark on, put in the ark, the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. So what God is saying is you, you build this thing out of wood, but then you cover it with gold. And the reason is, um, the wood gives you the shape, but the gold gives you longevity. It's not going to rot. It's going to have, it's going to have longevity. As long as it's not melted down, it's going to stay, um, in its shape and its form. And the rings, uh, imagine a box and then you attach a ring, um, you have a a rectangular box and you attach a ring at each corner. And the purpose is that you can slide these poles through so that when it needs to be transported, it's ready to go. The box can sit there, you slide the poles through, then four guys can lift the, the arc and move it. That's the idea with these rings and these poles. And then he says, when you've built it, you are going to put the tablets of the covenant of the law, which I will give you. Now, God told them, hey, I'm going to give you something and you're going to put it in there. But they don't know what that is yet. And they ended up putting more things in there than just the the covenant. But God was preparing this thing and, and they were to say, what an ark is? it? It's something that carries things. So here's this box. It's meant to travel. It's meant to carry certain objects, but you don't have them yet. And, and there is a little bit of the, I don't like to say entrepreneurial spirit because that has bad connotations. But when it comes to faith and what God is doing in our lives, there is a little bit of that. We're going to build it and then God's going to fill it. And, and oh, I want to be careful because I know that I am dangerously close to using uh, language that is used by those kind of TV faith preachers. No interest in that. Um, no interest in that. I do play in a fantasy football league with a guy that knows Kenneth Copeland or something like that. I don't know how that happened, but it's a lot of fun because uh, he's a Cowboys fan and I like to make fun of him. But uh, I have no interest in those TV preachers. I think most of them are are proven. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm saying anything that's not out in the public. I don't think I'm bad mouthing anyone that hasn't already been out there. Like the like these guys are proven to be charlatans and out for money and oftentimes like there's massive hypocrisy, all that kind of stuff. So I'm not interested in saying that, but I am saying like sometimes we step forward in faith to see what God will do. Sometimes we step forward in faith to see what God will do because we don't know. Uh, I'm in, um, I'm next week. I'm my last week of grad school. I've been working for three years on this master's degree. Uh, next week's my last class week, and then I've got some papers, and I'm done. But I have friends who are a part of my cohort. You see, it's obvious why I'm doing it, but it's not obvious for them. They just felt called to go. And so they're doing this thing, and they're getting this education, but they don't know why. And so they're stepping out in faith. And sometimes you go on a mission trip, and you don't know why you're supposed to go. Sometimes you you feel led to support something and you don't know what's what the return on investment's going to be. Sometimes you work through like the, the, uh, you know, these, these days where there's not much going on. I mean, like two years ago, our youth ministry was down to like one or two students at faith on Hill. And, and we're seeing, you know, 10 to 15 kids a week come to our, our youth ministry. And, uh, even with COVID and we've had to change things and where we do youth ministry and how we do youth ministry has changed because of COVID, but you know what, we're still seeing it. And what I'm saying is it's not to like toot toot our own horn. What I'm, what I'm saying is that our youth leaders walked through some of those days in faith that God had a plan and purpose. And so I, I think there is that kind of thing with the ark. They built it And God says, hey, this thing I'm going to give you, I haven't given you yet. You don't know what it is, but I'm going to give it to you. And that's what you're going to put in there. Verse 17, make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cupboard. Again, I'm not going to explain what this looks like. Google image search Raiders of the Lost Ark. You'll see this. Make one cherub at the end and the second cherub on the other and make the cherub... Uh, one piece with the cover at two ends. Verse 20, the, cherub, the, the cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking towards the cover. Uh, place the cover on the top of the ark and put the ark, the tab- or put in the ark the tablets of the covenant of the law that I will give you. There, above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you and give you my commands for the Israelites. So he's describing the lid. And if you've you've seen a picture of the Ark of the Covenant, there's a a gold lid. There's these two cherubim angels. And they're standing on each end of the lid looking towards the center. And then they have these wings that fold into the center. And again, you can Google image search that. uh, Better describing than I am. If you read Isaiah chapter 6, Revelation chapter 4 and 5, There are these living creatures with wings who always continually stand before the throne of God, declaring holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And what God is creating, although the people don't know it yet, but with the tabernacle and then the temple, God is creating a picture of his dominion that he is at the center of it and his people gather and there are these creatures declaring his praises and 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 in the temple they would have this sweet smelling incense burning and there would be the smell of uh, when they would sacrifice the bull and then there were certain ways that they were supposed to cook the bull or the goat or the sheep and this fragrant smell and and in the scripture in, in revelation it says that the the before God is the 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 smell we understand this is a metaphor, but but there is the fragrance of the prayers of his saints filling his presence. So so what God is describing is this this place of worship, this place of connection. And then he says, verse 23, make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, a cubit wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold and make gold molding around it. Also make around it a rim, a handle, uh, a hand breadth wide, and put a gold molding on the rim. Make four gold rings for the table, fasten them to the four corners where the four legs are. The rings are to be close to the rim to hold the poles for carrying the table. So again, the idea is God is establishing this tabernacle, but all of these things are to be portable, you know, Verse 28, make the poles of acacia wood, overlay them with gold, and carry the table with them. Make its plates and dishes of pure gold, as well as pitchers and bowls for pouring out of offerings. Put the bread of the presence on this table before me at all times. We'll get in later what the bread of the presence means. I think the thing to focus on right here is that what God is establishing is not something that was meant to be permanent. It's establishing something that was meant to be carried, to be taken. They were not done. Um, Even when they settled in the promised land, God kept this mobile worship center. The idea was that they were not to see themselves as settled that our home is not in this world. Our home is with God in his eternal kingdom. Verse 31, make a lampstand of pure gold, hammer out its base and shaft and make its flower-like cups, buds and blossoms out of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from one side of the lampstand, three on one side, three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms, are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And the lampstands, there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand, a second bud under a second pair, a third bud under under the third pair, six branches in all. The buds and branches shall be of one piece with the lampstand hammering out of pure gold. Then make its seven lamps and set them on it so that they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern that I will show you on the mountain. Oh, shown to you on the mountain, excuse me. So God had had already given Moses some instruction for this. So we're running out of time. I want to focus on on two things because you can go and do a Google image search for this. So I'm not going to explain all of this stuff. But the two things I would say for this is is even though, even though God had said this is for travel, it's for mobility, it was also for longevity. They were to cover these things with gold so that they had staying power. They wouldn't rust. They wouldn't rot. They could go from one generation to the other. But also when you make something of gold, that's costly. That's valuable. What God is establishing is something to be passed from generation to generation, and it is also something of value. And it's so tempting, it's so easy to try to give God our castoffs, our leftovers, less than our best, but God wants the gold. He wants the first fruits of my life and he wants the first fruits from from all of our efforts that can last from generation to generation, something that has staying power. This has been another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. New episodes are released weekly. Video version on our Facebook. Audio versions on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You just have to search Faith on Hill, at Faith on Hill on all of our social media. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. You can email me at adam at faithonhill.com if you have any questions, comments, pushback. We'll see you again next week for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study.